This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore high school sports. From the Friday Night Drive, I'm Michael Dwojek here with The Record North Shore founding member Joe Coslin. We've got a lot to talk about the regular football season is over um we have a lot to uh discuss with uh week nine happening big time matchup maybe the game of the year um happened and we'll met on saturday and then uh, we've got a couple of uh seasons to recap for both new trier and highland park so we'll do a regular four quarter format for this week's uh, episode in the first quarter we're going to recap week nine in the second quarter we're joined by loyola quarterback Jake Sterney in the third quarter, we play our weekly game of way or no way. And then in the fourth quarter, we start previewing the playoffs um, with Loyola's matchup in week one of the postseason. Just a quick reminder before we get started here that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure to give us a nice little like and a review. We always appreciate it. Spread the word as well as your sporting events. A lot of great analysis and great interviews um, that we get each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's uh, positive feedback and support. Um, all right, Joe, let's talk about this. I mean, we previewed it as much as we could uh, last week. Loyola and Mount Carmel on Saturday, number one versus number two in every state ranking. And uh, Saturday's game really lived up to the hype between the Ramblers and Mount Carmel. Uh, 42 to 37 win for the Caravan. Uh, Mount Carmel finishes the regular season 9-0, wins the CCL ESCC Blue. Um, just what a game. Uh, Loyola having uh, um, some time to kind of maybe get a chance to kind of come back late in the game, but some miscommunication on uh, fourth down kind of ended it there. And um, But, Joe, that game, I mean, you just kind of felt it right from the beginning with all the – we kept commenting about all the photographers, all the reporters, all the hoopla, everything around it. I mean, it just felt like a big-time game. And – um, if there was ever a game that lived up to the hype, I mean, Saturday definitely lived up to the hype. Yeah, it was tons of fun. Uh, it, it was just great football to watch and um, kind of the added bonus of knowing that both teams, no matter what, were going to be have bright futures this year. I mean, they're going into postseason with high hopes. So, you know, lost and there was going to be no real heartbreak at the end of it. I, I thought that gave it a little extra. OK, we can just have tons of fun out here. Uh, and we did. And uh, I uh, and that's not to say it wasn't competitive on the field because it was. It was hard-hitting big boy football um, on Horser Field for sure. So it was just a good time all around. Um, and, you know, I think the Illinois' best was on, were certainly on display there. And, um, you know, it's it interesting to hear um, Coach Halasek talk about the game afterward and, and really just be uh, an admirer of what Mount Carmel is putting on the field, I'm sure, Um um, Coach Lynch felt the same way on the other sideline, just a lot of talent all over the field in every single level and spot. It's definitely a game where both coaches were like, we got better because we played in this game, and it's exactly what you need um, heading into the postseason. But before we jump into you know, postseason talk and all that kind of stuff, let's talk about what happened in this game. Uh, Loyola ran out to a big 24-14 to lead um, at the half, and then, Joe, in the third quarter, it just kind of things like seemed like everything kind of turned there. You had um, momentum happen, and then you had the wind um, kind of affect things up for Loyola and kind of help Mount Carmel. But um, a lot of things happened in the third quarter, 24 to 14, Mount Carmel is down. Uh, Loyola goes three and out on their first drive, um, short punt, and then Denny Furlong returns it to the Loyola 23. Um, Mount Carmel needs a couple plays to score, um, and they make it a 24 to 21 game. And then on the very next play, Jake Sterney uh, fumbles for Loyola. Kind of controversial. Um, seemed like he was maybe trying to pass the ball, but the ball came out and it was ruled a fumble. Um, Coach Holosek was yelling about it, but after the game he said, I mean, that's such a hard play decision to make without replay or anything like that, knowing what was happening. He said he thought that the arm was moving forward, the ball was moving forward, so that kind of made it seem like it was a pass. But um, it was just too hard to tell, especially at the high school level. Um, even though the, I mean, thought this was interesting. There were college uh, refs at this game, all from different conferences. Yeah. I don't know how often you really see that, but it was a 
um, fairly well-officiated game, though there were some questionable calls that I'm sure both sides were kind of talking about. But Sterney fumbled the ball, then Mount Carmel uh, scores again to take the lead that it wouldn't give back. And um, 21 points, Joe, for Mount Carmel in the third quarter, and that really just changed the momentum of the game. Yeah, I thought that play, you know, just – and we only saw it once um, – from you know pretty close range i i didn't see anything conclusive that said it was a pass um he got struck while his arm was in motion but i i don't think there was any way to tell when, when we say the ball went forward it went forward a, you know a foot maximum um so i i thought it was a fine call to be completely honest with you i could I, you know they were close and we were to it uh, maybe a replay would have done it but that's as halsick said at the high school level we don't have those things so um, one thing was for certain, you know, that the Mount Carmel, you know, defenders got home. I mean, they were all over Sterney those first, uh, two plays Well, they went three and out and then they fumbled, um, cause Loyola got the ball out of the half. Um, and, uh, so they had their chance to, to, to run it up even more and, and they didn't do it. Um, I shouldn't say run it up to take a bigger lead. Um, but it was, it was good stuff. And, you know, they had the ball back. In that fourth quarter, down uh, five with that final score, 42-37. And, you know, plenty of time to go on a drive and, and take care of business. They moved the ball thanks to a couple pass interference calls. Um, a lot of pass interference calls on the day. The teams were were throwing it around, and there was a lot of contact, um, a lot of skills on the field. Hard not to be. Um and then miscommunication on the final play. You know, talk to Sterney about it. He, you know, you'll you'll hear it in a little bit, but he just said uh, he doesn't want to tell us the play, but just miscommunication. When he threw it, it hit the turf. There was no one really in the vicinity, uh, in the in the very you know very close vicinity. So it was just miscommunication, and that was it on fourth and I think three. So kind of a bummer we didn't get to see something near the goal line to like uh, you know for the blue at the goal line. That's happened before between Carmel and Loyola, um, but still just an unbelievable game. And I got some stats here that just show that. You know, uh, first downs, Mount Carmel 18, Loyola 26. Passing yards, Mount Carmel 175, Loyola 179. Um, Mount Carmel pretty significant up on the, the rushing game. I thought their rushing um, attack was good, even without Dupree in, Dupree in the second half. Um, total net yards, 407 to 324. So this was uh, plays 57 to 62 in favor of Loyola. Had five more plays, but pretty close. Just really close football and really good football. Uh, it was a pleasure to watch. Yeah, and I think those little things are going to be what kind of Loyola looks back on. I mean, just talking with Coach Halasek after the game, he said, like, we're just going to have to look at the tape. I mean, it's a game that both coaches and players are going to have to learn a lot from. Um, he felt like both players and coaches made some mistakes in that game. I mean, um, one of the bigger moments that kind of was interesting was that fake punt um, that happened in the fourth quarter, around nine minutes left in the game. Mount Carmel had fourth and eight um, around their, like, 40-yard line. And their punter is their backup quarterback. And uh, Coach Halasek talked about how, um, you know, they knew that. They were prepared. They were basically in their normal defense. And they just switched out the free safety with um, with the punt returner. And all week that they had talked about how, you know, Jack Elliott, the backup quarterback, is their punter and he can sling it. And, you know, they just – he just started rushing toward his right, found Demarion Arrington and – broke a, a tackle and he was just able to pick up the first down and then Mount Carmel scored there. So, I mean, um, just a lot of different moments there. And I think Coach Halasek and the Ramblers are talking about where they're just saying, man, we had this moment or we learned from this moment. And it's especially an, an interesting, it's a game that you learn a lot from. Obviously, both coaches, I mean, Mount Carmel is very happy to win the CCL Blue, finish, you know, the season undefeated, um, heading into the postseason, earn that number one ranking. And we'll talk about rankings looking forward in the playoff seeds. But um, it's definitely a game that both teams will, you know, learn a lot from. And um, honestly, I think this game probably helps both teams as they prepare to make a deep run in the postseason. Yeah. Um, and like you said, they kind of said they wanted to look, well, Halasek said he wanted to look at the tape before, you know, you take away any lessons, specific lessons to learn. But that was one, you know, Mount Carmel was so impressive in getting the ball to its athletes and letting them do work, whether it was Dupree or Furlong or um, Manning, um, Arrington, they, you know, they get them the ball and they let them work. And, 
you know, if that comes up in future, I think uh, Loyola should be ready for it or needs to be ready for it with whoever they play. And um, they should do that, especially in the run game. You know, off the top of my head, you think of Lincoln Way East has a, a running back that has one million yards this year. That's not true. That'd be a record. But he's got a lot and he's got tons of touchdowns. So you got to be ready for that sort of offensive attack um, with with the teams with playmakers. So that's one thing. There, there's plenty of others. You mentioned the punt. Um you know, one thing um, in and that fourth in uh, the final drive of Mount Carmel's, they fumbled and went backward like 20 yards. That goes into Loyola's hands and who knows what happened. So it's funny, those games of inches, because you really don't know. And there were a few of those throughout the game. Um, you know, Loyola had mistakes, too, that could have turned into to worse situations. So um, it, it was just really good football game and and I think that Loyola's offense proved it can score pretty much at will other other than that it did have a few punts but other than that fumble it was really moving the football really really well um Pat without the deep ball we we had deep balls missed I would say three or four times with an open receiver I don't know if you saw that it was up to four times Mike if you saw that but I know Ford was wide open on one um another one to Ledbetter uh, was broken up, so I don't know if that was an open one, but they just weren't any deep balls, but they were able to move it with the middle of the field, heavy on Spencer Ledbetter and Will Nemeshan out of the backfield. So uh, I think Loyola proved that uh, a great defense like Mount Carmel's can't stop it. You mentioned those plays. I mean, I feel like there were so many times I like looked to you like in the second quarter or something, like after like a touchdown, I was like, there's a lot of stuff that's already happened and we're only like nine minutes left yeah. in the second quarter. Like there was just like so much that was constantly happening. And like, even trying to like figure out, like after writing the story for like, what point do you kind of point out? Like literally there are so many like different points, like even just us talking about it right now, it's just like, there's so many pivotal points that kind of happened in that game that could have turned that game over. And that's, I mean, that's what you kind of see, but um, do you have, you know, we've talked about this a little bit and we talked about it at the beginning of the season with, you know, three returning starters, um, on that defense. Did, did you get more questions about this defense after playing in that game? I mean, you need to you need to give Mount Carmel all the credit in the world. They have a million play a million playmakers. They have a quarterback that can run it and you know is really good with his decision making. But Mount Carmel also made some mistakes. I mean there were some PIs, there were some false starts, there were some um offensive miscues. And Coach Lynch talked about it after the game about like how this was like far from our cleanest game that we've played all season. So, I mean, defensively, do you have more questions about this Loyola defense? I mean, just having to stop so many playmakers. I mean, I don't know how many. I mean, Lincoln Way East might be the closest team they'll see in the playoffs where they have so many playmakers to focus on. But did you have any questions about this defense? Or is it pretty much, I mean, you're facing off against, you know, the best team in the state? Yeah, I I think they're the same questions, to be honest. Uh, I, I did see more missed tackles a lot more missed tackles than you usually see from a very stout Loyola team. Um, and you saw some big hits too, but more missed tackles. And I, first time seeing Mount Carmel, I was like, I, how do you tackle that? I mean, that's, you know, some of the things Dupree did and some of the things that um, Furlong did in space were very difficult to, uh, easy to see how you missed the tackle, even from the sidelines. Like that's just right. really impressive um, ball carrying right there. So, yeah, it's kind of the same things. I thought they did play good in spurts. I thought they broke out some broke up some big passes. You know, the Dowling was really close to being on the money, and uh, Loyola was able to to knock him down, knock him away. Um, I thought Brooks Barr got home a few times. He had a he had a um, a big tackle for loss in that one too. That's what we're talking about. So many plays. He had like a a huge minus uh, four tackle for loss, I think. Um, and other ones he was in Dowling's face. Dowling can move out of the pocket. Uh, it was big boy football on those lines of scrimmage um, as well. So I thought maybe they could be a little better um, pressuring the quarterback um, outside of that, but kind of the same things and just dealing with uh, a really, really talented football offense. All right. We'll talk more about Loyola in the fourth quarter as we preview their week one matchup in the postseason. But um, let's move on over to our other two teams where um, I was covering uh, St. Rita and Niles Notre Dame on Friday and I was like catching up you know, at halftime after the half kind of game situated and trying to figure out, you know, what's going on with around high school football. 
And I see Joe's tweet saying that New Trier and Maine South are in a dogfight. I'm like, well, this is not at all what we expected um, based on our conversations on last week's podcast. But New Trier really made it uh, an interesting game. They knew they were playing for their playoff lives, um, made it to overtime with Maine South. And um, we're not able to hold on 28 to 21 loss in Park Ridge. But Joe, um, obviously, I know, you know, Effort doesn't really, you know, make the difference for some guys. They obviously want to be in the playoffs right now and earn that win. But, I mean, just for this team to kind of come back the way they did, um, not just in this game, but in the post, in the regular season, but to make this a game against Maine South, um, take it into overtime and just losing on the last couple plays um, really showed a lot about this new cheer team that we've just watched grow throughout this regular season. Yeah. It's, what a football weekend, man. And, you know, I was really, yes, they did a lot of things special on the field um, that you can measure, but I thought just the intensity and uh, a team, a term that football teams love, grit. I thought the grit was uh, really special. I thought it was great. Uh, it was, you know, I thought it really surprised Maine South. You know, I thought Maine South was getting popped on runs here and runs there, and they did not expect that or maybe took that for granted, um, knowing that Nutria was 4-4 four and four and maybe a young team. Um and yeah, Maine South was working through some things. They used three quarterbacks on the night as their their starter was kind of working his way back from a from like a week two, week three shoulder injury. But um, I mean, Nutria did some work, and uh, they forced four turnovers, I believe. Um, it was just really, really impressive stuff. And um, aside from that, that stuff, they ran their most sophisticated offense. And I checked with Coach Dahl after this um, that they've run all year. I think that they, you know. They're more confident in the capabilities of their sophomore quarterback Hennigan through the year, as well as um, their newly minted uh, receiver, Trey Myers, who had an, a coming out party. If he didn't his first week, this week he certainly did with seven catches for like 130 and two scores. He's going to be unbelievable, um, especially next to Miles Kremaskoli, who's also exceptional at that position. They're going to have kind of a tandem next year. Um that's uh, going to be really special with Hennigan back. Uh, so look out. But um, those two combined for, I think, 14 or 13 catches for 200 yards and and a couple, and three scores. Um, and they were airing it out a little bit. It was tough at the end of the game to see him run the ball. They were against the wind. Uh, you got to make calls to, to give your team the best chance to win. But um, I thought they were moving it well while airing it out. Whether, again, I thought they could have done a little more there to try to put the game away. Um, it's one, I mean, I, I think I, I don't know if I wrote it exactly in the story, maybe in a tweet, but I've seen a lot of games at Maine South where I've said Nutrier's got them or another team's got them and nope, Maine South just has this way. And that's why they've been the Kings of the CSL uh, South for so long of, uh, sticking in games and then giving it to you when it matters most. And that's what they did again. So, but it was really impressive stuff, as you mentioned. Maine South began the overtime with a one-play scoring possession, you know, putting the pressure on Nutrier pretty much right from the start in overtime. Um, Nutrier had fourth down from the four-yard line, and uh, the Trevians pass just kind of sailed over um, its intended target, Miles Kermiscoli. Um, Joe, just what did you kind of see from this offense, just being able to be in this position? You mentioned the um, – you know, the brand new wide receiver who's kind of made a name for himself and, um, you know, what the offense has kind of done pretty much the whole season. But uh, based on what you saw from them earlier in the year and the, what you saw from them in Maine South, I mean, just how different was were things and how more competent and confident um, does this Trevian's offense seem, you know, especially heading into next year where they bring back a lot of talent from this offense? Yeah, I think they just found out who they were. And I think it took a few weeks to do that. Um, I think like most high school teams, if not all, they want to be a balanced team who can run the ball and uh, to set up the pass and run it when necessary. And Nutria wasn't that. They didn't have it this year. You know, say what you want about whoever, you know, personnel schemes, whatever. They didn't have the run game to set it up. So it took a while for them to figure it out. And then they had to kind of switch gears with Jackson McCary coming back. They're, they're starting um, tailback who was out at the beginning of the year. He came back. Maybe they started to switch. To, to some run happy stuff, but then he got hurt again. So, but after that point, I felt like, okay, we're a passing team and we're going to set up stuff off the pass rather than set up stuff off the run. And that leads to some running gains for 
Patrick Hennigan after some passes, some running the quarterback, uh, even some positive runs from Charlie Blankstein, a senior. He had a, he had some nice runs in this main South game, but it was all coming off the pass. So I think they had to settle into that and who they were and kind of play to the strengths of everybody. And Hennigan had to realize what varsity football is all about um, a little faster, a little bigger. Um, he, he, he really evolved his deep ball. Um, like I said, less, Fewer acrobatic catches for Kremiscoli than early in the season, more in stride. Um, so I really think they just had to figure out who they were and their capabilities and get more comfortable with that. And uh, by by the main South game, they were running really sophisticated sets and uh, patterns that um, they exploited. I mean, this they exploited main South. I mean, the, the play to um, Trey Myers for, I think, their second score was a – Double pitch reverse flea flicker, if you can follow that. Pitch, pitch, flea flicker back to the quarterback who threw it deep on, you know, hit Myers in stride. So um, they were, they were, it, it evolved. It's going to be really fun next year. Um, they got to fill in some spots on line um, and a little bit on the defense, but a lot of young uh, varsity experienced players coming back. Joe, given the competition, did you feel like this was the defense's best game? I mean, forcing four turnovers, you know, keeping. You know, we talked about that magic number, keeping New Trier, or keeping Maine South to 28 points in overtime. Um, was Did you just kind of see that growth from the New Trier defense and kind of feel like it was their best game of the season? Yes. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, giving up 10 to Evanston, who who, who scores pretty well, uh, was, was impressive as well. That was like midway through the season. Um, but just this game... I really think it wasn't just they were making stops. They were getting the turnovers, but the way they were hitting, it was just different. And I think that's what caused some of the fumbles um, is Maine South just wasn't completely prepared for it. Or like I said, took it for granted um, that they were playing Nutrier and um, Maine South early, especially they had the advantage. I mean, they marched right down the field so fast, but they fumbled at the goal line right then. It was like, Nutria, I think they realized, okay, we got a chance here. Let's do something with it. Um, and that defense played a huge role in it. Um, I mean, I really saw some some pops from that defense that uh, uh, I hadn't seen all year. I know, obviously, this team isn't, you know, the same as last year's team. But, I mean, just meeting that fifth win, um, do you feel like there was a potential, you know, had this team been playing the way um, they were at the end of the season, at the beginning of the season? I mean, they started the season 0-3. You know, a non-conference, whether that's maybe against Stevenson. I think Hersey has shown that. I mean, obviously Hersey's one of the best teams in the state. Um, Palatine's really good at eight and one. Maybe that Stevenson game would have been a game that maybe they could have taken advantage of losing 35 to seven. I mean, Stevenson finished six and three as well. Um, was there a game where you kind of look back now and you're like, man, if we could have gone that game, um, Nutria could be in the playoffs, or is it pretty much like you don't have this Nutria team right now? Um, if it wasn't for those experiences in non-conference season. Yeah, I, I that's true too, but I, I do think it's the Stevenson game. I thought, as I think we've explained on this pod, some of those touchdowns from Stevenson were really like, oh boy, like that's that shouldn't happen at a varsity football team. Like just air it really deep, like we're playing the game 500 and Stevenson would come down with it because they, you know, they exploited a young, um, a young uh, secondary for Nutria that wasn't, ready for something like that. And uh, I think that's a game they, they could have had, um, you know, you put it in a dogfight situation and you start going back, you cut out some of those deep passes, man, and you're in the game. And then, um, you know, they only scored once that game, they scored zero in the first game. Uh, Palatine, I think they did score on a deep ball too. I don't know if they would have beaten either Hersey or Palatine though this year. Um, and I think the GBS game you want back too. I don't know if that's a victory. But I know they didn't like how they played. And that was kind of later in the season, week six, I believe, or week seven. And um, I think they were a better team than they showed on that night, too. Um, so it, it, that game, there were a few spots where it was theirs for the taking. So I think just to play better in that GBS game and to win the Stevenson game, that those were doable things. All right. You know, we'll move on to Highland Park here really quickly. But, you know, for Nutrier, just obviously we at the beginning of the season, I think we expected things to go a lot worse, but I think four and five is really respectable with the way that things started with the, you know, new talent that they were bringing in. I honestly think that, you know, with the way that they, 
you know, finish this regular season and obviously they'll graduate some seniors and some depth and that kind of stuff in the line. But I mean, with the playmakers they've got coming back next week, I mean, next season, I wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, if they ride this momentum that they had at the end of the season into the off season and kind of have a, a good regular season next year. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, and I think they're going to come back hungry too. Um, these are guys uh, that aren't used to losing. Like we talk about a lot with good teams that have a bad year. Um, so I think they're going to come back motivated and also confident from the way the season ended. And um, I'm sure they'll work together in the offseason. I think we're going to see a pretty good Nutria team next year. All right, let's move on over now to Highland Park, who needed a win to pick up that fifth win of the season in order to qualify for the postseason. Um, they took on Maine West in the Plains on Friday, and the um, Giants just were not able to cape up with the Warriors, falling 34-6. to um, in a game where it seems like the offense just couldn't get it going and the defense really wasn't able to stop Maine West. And um, both teams needed that fifth win, and Maine West got it to 5-4 and four to qualify for the postseason. And um, Highland Park is going home um, after a, 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 a strong start. But the, I think this conference finish, Joe, um, is really what kept this team out of the playoffs. Yeah, um, kind of a resurgent Maine South, Maine West team because Maine West did not have a good year last year, so they, they were kind of on a comeback path, and I think they were on a mission as well. And two mission-based teams, something's got to give, and um, Maine West just had more power in this one, um, and on the season, um, Highland Park hung with them. Um, I think it was seven-zero at halftime, and then Maine South kind of blew the doors off um, in the second half, playing playing at home. Um, and uh, to get into the playoffs. So tough one for Highland Park, tough finish for Highland Park. They really wanted to not only um, get in the playoffs for the first time in five years, but also compete for the conference. And uh, that Deerfield loss really was kind of a started that downward trend. And uh, it was a game that they, you know, shot themselves in the foot multiple times. And they could have really competed in that game. And when you do that in a rivalry, who knows what happens? Um, and uh, it, it that really kind of started it. And the Vernon Hills, they started slow and Vernon Hills took advantage. And the main West game was what it was this past week. So really tough last three losses for um, um, for uh, uh, for the Giants. And uh, they, they got, a, you know, they had a lot of players last year that's played on varsity as sophomores who then performed well on varsity as juniors this year. Similar to Nutria, we're going to have. Um, a lot of experience back on this Giants roster next season and a lot of hunger as well with a second year coach who's now also a little more experienced uh, at, at leading a team. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the next season for Highland Park. Yeah, we'll see how they're able to do moving forward. Obviously, hopefully get a lot of experience from this season, but uh, finish the season at four and five with the loss to Maine West, not calling for the postseason. Um, we'll see more from the Giants next year as they prepare in the offseason and get back to work and get some returning talent, uh, you know, back for uh, 2023. But let's move on over now to the second quarter where we are joined by Loyola quarterback Jake Sterney. Joiner, you got a chance to catch up with Jake after the game on Saturday against Mount Carmel. Uh, what are the folks at home going to hear? Well, we start, we talk about the last play and just uh, what happened. We talk about, um, What's it like playing in a battle where you you, you know you're two of the best um, and you know they're going to keep coming at you? Um, and uh, just a little bit of what, what we're looking forward to um, in the postseason. All right, let's take a listen. Hey, let's get the hard part over with first with the last play. Yeah. Uh, hard to see from the sidelines what, what it was the call, what happened. So, I mean, it's probably, I uh, don't want to tell you what play we're going to run, but I mean, it's just miscommunication on our parts um, as a whole. So going forward, definitely the playoffs, like, sure, we battled our asses off this whole game, and they did too, so I'm proud of both sides. And, um, I mean, a lot to learn from this game, especially going to the playoffs, and we'll find out 8 p.m. tonight. But, I mean, we got to look this not so negative about this whole game, although it would be nice uh, to get one seed in 8 and have a bit of an easier path, per se. Um, you can't really look at it in that in that sense and more of a big learning experience and this game will fuel us going forward in the playoffs. What the, on that perspective, is it kind of, not that you ever want to take a loss, but as a learning experience, perhaps that, even though you're playing against perhaps the best team in the state, oh, for sure. is that a good thing oh, to maybe sure. take a loss and learn? I mean, 
our mindset, we obviously want to win every game, uh, as every team. Um, but I think taking this loss, like I said, like will fuel us big time going forward. Uh, and, and yeah. As as kind of two quarterbacks going back and forth, a lot of points. Didn't expect so many points. A lot of points. Are you are you hyper aware of that as quarterback? Like it's just kind of like a heavyweight fight back and forth, back and forth. Hey, it's just another team. I mean, sure they got more talented guys than I guess some other opponents we face throughout the year, but I mean. They're, we've, we face these guys every single year, so nothing changes. Sure, the athletes change, but the scheme and our, our play style doesn't change. So, same mentality going to every game, and just not overlooking the opponent and not underestimating them. So. I'm curious, you know, the deep ball has been a big part of you and Declan and Spencer's year. Was it exactly there today? Was it something about their defense? What was it? I mean, definitely unfortunate. I mean, I'm, I'll take the blame for those. A little bit overthrows here and there. I mean, I mean, I think all of them were overthrows, but uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll fix that. We'll get them down. I mean, they can give us, they, I mean, giving the ball, giving the, uh, them a chance to make a great play. I mean, it's key. Like, you see these almost catches that they have. I mean, just a lower ball and a better precision pass will definitely um, benefit us uh, going forward. And I mean, we had a couple big plays where I missed a throw here and there. And I mean, if we had those, I think it would definitely be a different game. So. I'm not smart enough to know about different pressures, but right off the bat in that uh, on the line in that second half, they came out storming. Was it something different, or did they just come out with seemingly more intensity? Uh, I mean, I, I think definitely we, we just came out flat. Uh, we hung our heads for a little bit. I mean, our defense gave us a shot. So, I mean, taking advantage of each opportunity we get and uh, coming out firing on cylinders, I mean, sure, like, we were up. We were in the locker room. We were all... We had good thoughts and spirits, but I mean, we can't start off the second half with turnover on three and out. So, um, I mean, defense battled their asses off against especially one of the best, I think, one of the best offenses in the state uh, behind us. Thanks so much for joining us, Jake, and thank you as always to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week. Always appreciate everybody's insight. All right, third quarter means we are going to be playing our weekly game of Way or No Way. I throw out five propositions, and Joe and I argue or agree upon whether that proposition can happen way or no way it cannot happen. All right, let's start things off here with Nutrier Field Hockey. Um, Nutrevians are going to uh, the semifinals as they are the final four here. Um, way or no way, Joe, they think that any one of the remaining four can stop, or any remaining three, I guess, because Nutrier wouldn't stop itself. Yeah. Um, but uh, way or no way, uh, anyone can stop Nutrier in from winning a state championship. Yeah, we talked about this. Um, so I don't want to go back on my word. I'll say no. I think we mentioned that uh, will we'll Nutria repeat in a previous episode? Uh, I said yes. And I think they're they're on that path right now. They play tonight, which is Tuesday. Uh, so uh, if I'm wrong, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll be wrong before you even hear this. Um, but uh, I, I think they go on and they win it and they, they become repeat champs. They're that good. Yeah, I think no way there. I don't think there's a team that can stop them right now. I think they're really hitting their stride right now. I feel like they've hit their stride the whole season. Um, but, yeah, I think that they definitely um, will win the championship. I don't think there's really a good chance to uh, stop them there. All right, Nutrier Boys Soccer won a regional title over the weekend after a couple wins over the Glen Brooks. Uh, way or no way, Joe, that this Nutrier Boys Soccer team can make it to the super sectional round? Man, they got a lot of tough games. Um, I think they can wait. Uh, they're, they're that talented, but they just got, you know, some legit foes in front of us. Now we've had some upsets in that sectional, so it's going to fall differently than uh, the seeds. Uh, for instance, uh, I think on the other half, it's OPRS first lane. And I think lane was the, was like the eight seed and they've had some upsets, but, but lane's always good. Um, so they get Niles North tonight, I believe. So again, um, a, a very good team. And then in the championship, they'll get either OPRF or if they win, if they beat Niles North, a task, um, they'll get one of those two. And I think that's definitely doable, if not probable, but it's going to be a battle. It's going to be tough, but I'll say way it's, it, they can do it. I think way as well. I think Evanston was the biggest, you know, threat, not that, you know, Niles North is bad or Lane Tech, obviously who upset Evanston or OPRF were bad, but I was mostly concerned about that Evanston team. Um, especially in, on the ch in the chance to get win the sectional championship. So, um, yeah, I think way this team makes it to the super sectional. I think they can beat Niles North on Tuesday night and then Friday night at GBS for a sectional championship, whether it's Lane or 
OPRF. I think uh, um, it'll be a close matchup, but I think they'll be able to pull it off and head over to the super sectional, which should make for um, some fun matchups as well um, as we uh, look forward to uh, the next round. Um, all right, new cheer girls tennis finished second at state this weekend. Joe, way or no way, this is, I mean, if you listen to last week's episode, um, you would know whether this was expected or not, but way or no way, uh, new cheer girls tennis kind of did what you expected in the way that you kind of thought that they could. No way. I thought they were going to finish within the mid twenties points and probably third. So just by looking at the seeds and, and kind of knowing um, what they brought to the table, not an expert in any way on, on girls tennis, but I, I thought they outperformed a little bit, um, 29 points more than last year. Um, only three behind the leader. They got a fourth place finish from Madison Liu and they got a fifth place finish from their, one of their doubles teams. Um, thought it was a pretty impressive run by the girls here uh, to get 29 points and beat Stevenson by the one, which was that fifth point, uh, fifth place win by Lucy Perilli and uh, um, Carrie Rothenberg. So uh, I, I will say no way in that they outperformed a little bit. Yeah, I'll go with no way as well. I thought they would, I knew they would bring home a trophy. I didn't know if they would get it to this level, but um, yeah, no way. I think they definitely exceeded our expectations a little bit here and really, um, you know, really did well and um, came close, obviously. But um, to be able to pick up their runner up and uh, um, get that championship was a big deal. So, uh, yeah, no way. I think they definitely um, exceeded our expectations a little bit. All right. We had some regional cross country champions in the North Shore area this past weekend. Joe, way or no way we'll have a sectional cross country champion this upcoming weekend. Oh, that's more difficult, um, obviously, <laughs> to state the obvious. Uh, do you mean team or individual? Uh, team. I think the Loyola girls are, are poised in a great position. Um, you know, they won't have a, a, a champion. I mean, they might. They could. But they really bunched together right in that top ten uh, in a lot of runs. And, um, you know, for instance, in the regional, I think they – I'm pulling it up now. They had three, four, uh, six, and eight. Uh, so I had all four in the top 10 of the regional and they won the regional by, uh, they, you know, about 27 points. They had 39. Um, so pretty good finish. You know, Nutria, it's going to get a little tighter. It was tight in the regional. It'll get tighter in the sectional. Ben Crane was an individual champ in a really close race. We should have another close race here in the sectional. Um, but uh, I, I don't think, I think Loyal is the best chance. So I could say, way there's a chance. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think there's way a chance. I think with they have a lot of depth. I don't, you know, in those types of sports where you try to win the team championship, it's all about depth and how many players you get the most points. And I think they have that opportunity. So I definitely think I'll go with uh, way there and uh, say that we'll definitely have a sectional champion and it should be that Loyola team. All right, final way or no way, Joe, for you. Uh, we've got regional uh, girls volleyball starting this week. Um, Loyola and Nutria are the top two seeds in their respective sectionals, respective sectionals, any way or no way, Joe, that there's any shot of, uh, upsets for either one of our teams this week. Oh, there's a shot. Sure. Um, so I'll say way, but I don't think it'll happen. I say way because I think while Loyola and, and Nutria earn their top two seeds, uh, I think they're both vulnerable in spots. They're not, uh, they're not a state favorite that, you know, we're not looking at them and saying, okay, will they get first? I think it'll be, can they go on a run? It's one of those, can they get hot at the right time? I and mean, Loyola has been dominant, but they still have eight match losses. And if not uh, nine and uh Nushir has double digit losses, although they're very good too. So I think there's a chance that they lose. There's a lot of competition in this area, but I don't think it's likely. I'm going to go with uh, no way. I think that this team is able to, uh, you know, take care of it. I think the they've seen the opponents that they have in the area, but, you know, throughout the season, I think they know how to take them on. So I think that uh, it'll be chalk and we'll see uh, both Loyola and Nutrier in the section around uh, continuing in the playoffs next week when we record our next week's episode. But that's everything that we got for this week's uh, version of way or no way. We're going to move on over now to the fourth quarter where we preview uh, Loyola's first round playoff matchup in the 8A bracket. They will be hosting uh, Plainfield South on Saturday at 1 o'clock in Wilmette. Um, Joe, before we get to this matchup, um, your thoughts about Loyola dropping to number six 
um, in the seedings for the uh, 8A bracket after losing to Mount Carmel by five points. I know obviously we've had this conversation before. It's all mathematical. There's no real like people making decisions. There's not, so, there's not a selection committee or anything like that, but Loyola dropping to number six, really, I mean, at least they're on the opposite side of Lincoln Way East. I know you're happy about that, but I mean, just dropping down to number six, um, that kind of seems weird for a team that just lost in the number one team in the state by five points. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, just added to the pile of evidence for not doing it this way. I mean, it's just, it's not the ideal way to rank these teams when we know we know better. Um, we know what Loyola can do, and they lost to the top seed in 7A, and all of a sudden they're below. Some of these teams are undefeated, and I'm not saying South Elgin didn't earn a four seed or with, with their undefeated slate, but they don't play the competition. We know Loyola, you know, ranking teams in the state, Loyola is going to be above South Elgin. Uh, is anyone going to dispute that? Um, so it's tough. Um, I know they have a tough job to do and they kind of want to stay out of it. Um, and then that's been their mantra for a while. They just want to let the points decide, but I just think there's a better way to do it. And, you know, we, we all, uh, there's enough people in the state that follow it this well and know enough about football that we can figure this out and get the right rankings or a better version of right um, than it was here. So that's just my thoughts on it. It's been the same thoughts for years and it's, it's garbage. I mean, I feel like that, <laughs> just a subtle drop there at the end. I mean, I, I feel, what would be, I mean, I feel like the argument is you can probably say like they're number two in that bracket, right? I mean, you probably say like, Lincoln Way East finished the season undefeated. They deserve the number one seed. That makes sense. Maybe you can make an argument that maybe York deserves that number two seed. But, I mean, even the three and four seed, I mean, you know, having South Elgin in there and then having Plainfield North in there, both undefeated, I understand that. But the schedule that Loyola plays is much tougher. Um, and it's just, I, I, I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. I mean, eventually, I mean, Coaches are going to say this cliche all the time. You're going to have to beat the team. You're going to have to beat anyways. If you're going to win a state championship, uh -huh. it doesn't matter when you play them, all that kind of stuff. We've heard coaches say it throughout the years, but um, it does make an interesting matchup. I mean, even for Loyola with, you know, number six, if they win and then O'Fallon or Edwardsville win and knowing the way that IHSA does it, they're going to make Loyola travel down to O'Fallon or Edwardsville to take on, you know, either one of those teams instead of having home field advantage as the, you know, number six seed, just the way the IHSA does stuff. So, I mean, it's just, you think that seeding doesn't matter and you want to get that experience, but I mean, seeding does matter. And then you don't have these kind of circumstances that Loyola has right now as a number six seed. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And, you know, um, it also stinks uh, for Plainfield North, you know, they, they're nine to know at the three seed, but they got to play Loyola in the third round. Uh, I, I don't know if that's, uh, that's right. Um, I guess they would, they would have, you know, if we put them at the six seed, maybe it would have been the same thing just reversed. But anyway, um, the only way Loyola would go down state would be as if Edwardsville wins, um, because if O'Fallon wins, O'Fallon's playing at home, then they'd both have one home game and the better seed gets it. So Loyola would get the home game, but then the that's third worse, that's worse. The number 22 seed is going to use the number six. seed is going to have to travel down to play the number 22 seed. How does that make any sense? Like that's, oh, yeah. just, that's, that, just that's the scenario that happens so often because of the seedings. When you get some, we'll say it happened a few years ago. Say Loyola gets is seven and two because they lost really two tough games where they had an injury, a really good team had an injury, but they've beaten everybody since the injury is over and they got like a 10 seed. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to win their opening round matchup over some poor team that, you know, didn't have the same schedule. And then in week two, they get to host the game while a team that's earned the nine and zero record has to go all the way down to whatever. It's, it's difficult when you don't have any say in the seedings. I, I just feel like you have to have a say, or you have these variables for, for, you know, seven and two or six and three teams that muck everything up or eight and one teams in this respect, Loyal Academy. So um, it's difficult to do. So yeah, if Edwardsville wins, Loyola will be going down south all the way to the tip of the state um, for a week two matchup against the team they're going to beat by 30. But the good thing about that is if there is a silver lining, if that does happen, Loyola should have home games in the next two because they'll only be sitting with one in week three. You're thinking they're, they're going to be the better seed. And then in, uh, yeah, it's going to be, I think they should be getting home games the rest of the way if that happens. But anyway, 
it's it's just not the right way to do it for the most level playing field if he has it. All right, let's look at this game first, and then I want to get your thoughts on the 8A bracket just in general as we kind of make some predictions here. But um, Loyola plays Plainfield South on Saturday. Plainfield South 6-3 and three heading into this matchup. Losses are to DeKalb, 48-14, Yorkville, 34-21, and Plainfield North, 42-6. to um, I think, Joe, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a, a huge win or anything like that, but I think this Ramblers team just kind of comes motivated after what happened against Mount Carmel this past week. Um, we talked about in the first quarter, you'd learn a lot from that game against the best teams, the state's best team, and um, you just come out prepared and you probably beat Plainfield South by at least, I don't know, 20 points, I figure. Yeah, I think it's going to be a route. Um, Plainfield North, nice season, uh, but you could see, against playing some of the stiffer competition in their area. They, they haven't really been up to the task, so this is the stiffest competition, and I, I don't think it'll be much of a contest, I expect. Uh, you know, probably probably four scores um, up on, on Plainfield South. Um, and uh, moving on to the next week for Loyola. You know, maybe, maybe Plainfield South comes in and does some things. What I do like about at least a little bit of this as I'm looking at it is we're getting teams from a lot of different areas. And that's what I've complained about before when last year when we put Maine South against Nutria in the first round after they just played. Uh, I don't think that's the right way to do it. I think you avoid that at all costs. Again, that involves injecting some of your subjectivity. Uh, but this looks good. You know, Loyola playing a team from the you know south to west suburbs. Um, you know, and they're gonna you know the rest of the way. It looks like they got some teams from outside their area: Edwardsville, O'Fallon's Southern, um, Lions, Naperville Central or West, Plainfield North, Ridge Township. Those those are all south and southwest. So their first quadrant, at least, they're going to see a lot of teams that they haven't seen before. And um, it's going to take until the semis before they see possibly Marist, possibly um, Palatine. Um, so it'll be good. York, too. Right. We expect a big win. I'll get a score prediction out of you before we say goodbye. But what do you think of this 8A bracket for the Ramblers? Just what do you expect to happen in this 8A bracket? How far do you think that this Loyola team can go, um, you know, with the matchups that they could potentially have? I think that, I mean, I think they're going to make it to the state championship. Um, I do. I think, and I also think I like York a lot. I think it's going to be them and York in the semis. And I think that's, that's going to be one. Um, we'll see how the upsets go to see who gets to host that game. Um, that'll be, that could be some complaining here or there, uh, but it'll be interesting. But um, I think that's going to be a great game, but York's got to take down Marist first in their second round. It's a tough road for, for York. And they got Palatine possibly looming. Um no, no offense to my Glenbard East. I live across the street from them. That's why I say that. Um, I think they might be outmatched in that quadrant. But uh, top half, uh, we're looking at, you know, Lincoln Way East is looking real good as the top seed there. Um, Warren's there, too. That should be a great game in the in the quarterfinals. Um, and Maine South looms there. I think Maine South's in for an upset bid by Bolingbrook. I think that's going to be a really good game. Um on Friday night, something to look for. And Glenbard West is looming there too. So this is fun. This is a lot of teams that don't play each other, um, North versus South versus West um, mixed in there. I think it's uh, it's actually a pretty good bracket overall. Things fell a pretty pretty fun way. You mentioned Marist. It always cracks me up when you have like Marist, the team that's lost two. Um, it's three losses are to uh, Loyola and uh, Mount Carmel and Glenbard West probably like three of the top seven teams in the state and they earn a, a 18 seed. And like for Napier no North, it's like, how are you supposed to compete with it? Like, how is that fair having to play like that team? Cause then you probably have Marist winning that game and then York gets them in the second week. And um, I wouldn't say that Marist Marist is very good. We saw Marist obviously this year. I don't know if they're at the same level as they were last year, but I mean, they have put up fights against the team's best state and uh, best teams in the state. So, I mean, that's like a crazy matchup for York in the second week, which would be crazy. But um yeah, I think Loyola makes it to the state championship game. I think it's going to be what we expected to be. I mean, maybe there were upsets a lot along the way, but I expect a, Lo a Loyola Lincoln Ways matchup for the state title in Champaign. And those are always fun. We saw a crazy 3 nothing win last year, which was completely opposite of what we were expecting. But I think both teams' offenses are at a different level than they were last year. And I kind of, um, I don't know if I'll get into a prediction about who wins the state title. Just I need to see a couple things in the playoffs first before making a prediction like that. But I do, I, it does feel like a Loyola Lincoln ways matchup in Champaign on uh, Thanksgiving weekend. 
It does. Um, and I'll start preparing my half blue, half maroon shirt um, for that <laughs> game um, as my loyalties are split. But uh, I'd love to see it happen. I do think, you know, Loyola's got to watch out for Warren um, coming in that quarterfinal match. That's going to be a good one. Warren's legit. They beat Maine South this year. Um, it's a very good team. Um, so look out for that. And and also Glenbard West coming out of the southern half of their little um, top half of the bracket should be good. So they, they'll they'll face it. And, and Loyola, it's not like Loyola won't. Loyola could get Maris. They could get York um, in, in in the semis and um, look out for that. So um, we should see some good football. This I actually, for all the stuff, we, they could be better. Some seeds could be better. But the matchups look really good. I think it should be a fun 8A bracket. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of fun uh, matchups to look forward to. So it'll be fun for us to see. Joe, what do you expect happening um, on Saturday at Loyola between uh, Loyola and Plainfield South? You know, I do I do think, you know, being banged up a little bit, something we didn't mention um, in, in a lot of the talk here, I think um, this gives an opportunity for Loyola to – to rest some of their guys, whether it's, um, you know, Drew McPherson still on the bench, one of their running backs, Will Nemeshine might get a rest here. Um, and hopefully they get a league and they, they can rest a few of their linemen too, who are banged up. Every lineman probably is at this point in the season. Um, and their depth allows them to do that. So I think that might temper the score from the fifties down to the forties or even thirties. So I'll say something like 42 to, do I always do that? I want to, I want to get Mikey Baker in this one. Um, let's do, let's do 41 couple Mikey Bakers. And, uh, I, I mean, I, mm, I'll, I'll say six, I'll say they score. Oh, I'm going to go with 38 to 10. I think, uh, Loyola gets it in there. I think the subs kind of come in around the third quarter ish somewhere around there. And then, um, playing field South gets a score there, but, um, I think, uh, Loyola should be able to kind of get rested here, do work on some things that they learned from the Mount Carmel game and, um, head on over to the second round of the playoffs. But that's everything that we got for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Varsity Podcast. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to our lovely podcast anywhere that podcasts are available. If we're not there, let us know, and we'll make sure to add the Varsity there. Make sure you check out older episodes of the podcast. we got great interviews, so make sure you check those out. And as always, subscribe and leave a nice little review if you don't mind. We always appreciate it, and it helps us get to more interested high school uh, football fans like yourselves. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to check out my stuff at the Friday Night Drive and check out Joe's work at therecordnorthshore.org. And we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.